Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 80s in Sydney, which is generally regarded as the wild west of law enforcement. A terrifying time to be a cop or a criminal or just to be in Sydney full stop. And I, one day, stumbled upon his case files and they absolutely ruined me. So years later, I approached dad and we went through his old case files together and it became a book, Loose Units. It's in stores right now, actually. And now we're doing a podcast about it. Loose Units, the podcast, is a weekly true crime podcast where I sit across from my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s, and we dive deep into the seedy underbelly of Sydney's policing. So we're doing this podcast down here in Collingwood every week at Castaway Studios together, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, we're back here in the studio to talk about true crime, um, and Dad's just winged me this prompt, which says Parramatta Jail. Yep. If you want to just go in cold, first of all, uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, Parramatta Jail. Parramatta uh, Jail. I didn't know there was a jail in Parramatta. Yeah, there was. It was called Parramatta Jail. <laughs> Hence the name. Oh, can I? Can I? You live in Melbourne. Yeah, I live in Melbourne now. I, I fly to uh, to Melbourne to do these podcasts yes, regularly. Yes, yeah, hence me having no money left in the bank. Sure, love it. Um, and it's like saying to someone in Melbourne, "Have mm. you heard of Pentridge Jail?" What do you mean? Well, have you heard of Pentridge Jail? Yeah, but only because I wrote the book with you. So no, it's, but it's a famous jail. It's famous, yeah. But yes. jails, okay, jails don't have any pop cultural cachet or cash unless you basically there's a movie or a TV show set there. True, true, true. So the great thing about these podcasts, Paul, mm-hmm. is that it's a cathartic experience for me. Yeah, because a couple of episodes ago, a listener asked whether it was, you know, um, asked basically about your state of mental health, mm, which and- is a one. Well, yeah, it Tip is. Top, but you, top shelf. You did just say, first of all, you haven't blinked since you started talking, which is a giveaway. Secondly, you also said to me that it's taxing. You admitted, or you let it slip, that it you know does take something out of you talking about well, this it's, stuff. It's, yeah, but it's also quite... I mean, you gave the analogy of doing talkback radio, what it yeah. must be like to get up really early, do three hours nonstop talking five days a week. It's yeah. hard, yakka. Because I used to host Weekend Breaking on Triple J for ages, and it was basically like you get up at 4 a.m. and you th- you know, you're on. What, I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is Dad's doing really well to sit here and just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk on air. Um, so, Dad, my yep. question. Yes. Parramatta Jail. Yep. What about it? <laughs> you told me. I'm kidding. Okay. So what I'd like to talk about, and I'm going to get to say something really like pretty, pretty full on here. Sure. 
uh, not necessarily about Parramatta Jail, but some people might be saying, well, you know, what on earth do police have to do with Parramatta Jail? Mm. And the answer is that what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about Parramatta Jail to a degree, Yep. but I'm also going to talk about Long Bay Jail. Okay, now I've heard of Long Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, still going. Sure. And uh, quite notorious. In mm. fact, it used to have a, uh, a wing called Katingle. Which is uh, which was notorious, and it was shut down due to human rights violations. Jesus. But there was a very, very famous criminal called Russell Mad Dog Cox. His real name surname was Schnitzeling, which is pretty weird. Schnitzeling, yeah, not not as in Schnitzel. Yeah, don't use Schnitzel as a verb in the studio. Please. Yeah, but Schnitzeling, Schnitzel. or 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 or, to, or similar to. Okay. And he was a notorious bad guy, and there were a couple of them in Katingle, which was maximum super security, yeah, yeah. before the days of any of the supermax prisons. Uh-huh. And what he was doing, he and his mates, they'd hang by one arm at night time, and they'd somehow managed to get a um, hacksaw blade into the jail, and they were cutting these bars. And then what this mad dog Cox did is that the night before... The three of them were supposed to go. Yeah, he left the night before they were due to get released to escape. They were they were, they were cutting the right. So they're due to escape, and he leaves the night before. He the left others. the night before. He, he left them. So he got them to do all the hard yakka. Yep. Over months, and then he just pissed off. Nice guy. Did they uh, find him? Not sure. I think he may have been shot. But oh, anyway, that's another story. Shot. Uh, Dead. Right. Yeah. But why am I telling you about jails? Because in the New South Wales Police Force, when you were a lowly constable, they used to have this weird section within the New South Wales Police Force. Ready for this? Mm. It was called Four Wheels. Is that weird? I guess. That's it. Four Wheels. Like when you look back on it. At the time, I thought it sounded okay, but it actually just means uh, a truck with four wheels. It sounds like True a bad, story. It just, sounds a like a, it just sounds like a children's book. Okay. Yeah, but it was actually a section. And what they used to do, they used to second uh, sort of on a, on a shift-by-shift needs basis mm. with super junior police, mm. and you used to have to do the prison runs. So what's a prison run? Okay. You'd a report to Four Wheels, which was in Waterloo, yep. and you would hop in the back of a big white or some, I think it was white, like a big prison truck. Yep. And they'd have uh, a constable kind of in the back, but then he'd be sitting down uh, towards the back door, but then there was a cage within that truck where the prisoners would be. So what you did, you'd all go out in these trucks to Long Bay Jail or Parramatta Jail. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing we used to do that some people might find a bit, bit unusual is that we used to have breakfast at Long Bay Jail. And, of course, the cooks were all the prisoners. Oh, so, that seems like a recipe for hepatitis, doesn't it? Yeah, but but at the time I just thought, look, it's a free feed. Yeah, it was basic. It was mainly uh, what they told us were baked beans. They could have been anything round, even testicles. I mean, it's going to come. Sure. To, I mean, the the first test is like, how big are they? They were, from memory, they were not that big. Oh, great, you're probably safe then. Yeah, right. So and, hang and on, then so, sausages. Right? Did you eat in the mess hall with the other yeah. prisoners? Ah, uh, well, they had a special section. As you went into the jail on the right, like at this massive food hall. So oh. they had all the... Well, I guess they were prisoners that could be trusted because they're actually out of the jail. Right. Like they, they could have just thrown their apron up in the air to create a decoy and run out onto the road and... Again, the trick there is to follow the uh, the prisoner, not the apron. 
if you're a prison guard who can not tell the difference between a, an apron and a prisoner, <laughs> I'm guessing you probably should just pick a different job. Yeah, true. You know. So there'd be this room full of... And, and, and uh, you know, it, I mean, they could have done anything to that food. Couldn't they? It seems to me... Okay, so I... nothing. Very few things scare me more than the notion of prison. Everyone's got their kind of... Everyone's got that thing that scares them. Being buried alive, public speaking, you know, another Abbott government. These things terrify people, right? Mm, mm. But for me, it's prison. And I yeah. don't know whether it's because I grew up around law enforcement or not. But Look, prison I, is a place you just don't want to go to. It just doesn't seem like there's any... Because it seems just like chaos. Mm. Like, what, what if you're somebody who is slightly gentler and you get sent to prison? Like, what happens to you then? Well... You have to align yourself with a certain group within the jail and they'll look after you. But, you know, nothing come, you don't get anything for nothing in jail. So <clears throat> this story on the surface is, is certainly doesn't sound that profound, but, and here's, here's the rub, something that I'm about to say that was happening at the time was unbelievable mm. and factual, and I've never heard it discussed before, so a bit of a scoop for you, Paul. Yeah. The prison warders at Long Bay Jail, they had a slight problem. I guess they had lots of problems. But one of the problems they had back in the early 80s was they had a lot of very beautiful uh, transsexuals. And back in those days, I'm not sure what the law is now, but it's what you are on your birth certificate determines what jail you go into. So they had these particularly attractive Asian uh, ladyboys, shemales, transsexuals, very, very glamorous. And I remember seeing them and this was actually in the jail. So forget about like where we were having our breakfast. Then we'd go into the jail proper Mm. to pick up the prisoners, which I'll come to fairly soon. And I remember as a a really, really young policeman, I was was in my really early 20s, maybe. I, I probably was still in my first year. And I remember seeing these transsexuals basically getting the run of the jail so they were actually in the offices and with all the, the prison warders. And they're prisoners. And I asked this guy, I said, this very experienced older policeman who'd been around, I said, what's, what's the go here? And he said, well, what happens is, he said, these girls, yeah. they are um, managed by the prison warders and they whore them out to oh. prisoners. Oh. oh, yeah. How's that? Huh. So... Then you have to ask yourself, okay, so who's benefiting? Well, the prison warders are benefiting because they're gaining income from these <clears throat> transsexuals. That, that, that transsexuals that they're they're like the pimps, the prison warders, mm. and they're pimping out these stunning women to prisoners. And then you've got to say, well, how do the prisoners pay? Well, they get cash. We used to get cash into the jail through visits, right? Because it's a, it's a different time. Yeah. So there was this whole sort of uh, business going on uh, within the jail, which I I found fascinating. And what we used to do is we'd convey prisoners from Long Bay to all the courts. And back again. And then you'd take them back in the afternoon. So we'd take them to all the different courts because if you can commit a crime, say, on the Northern Beaches, if you murder someone in Manly, you have to go to the court for the initial court matter at manly why is that because that's the 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 nature of the law you go to the nearest courthouse Mm. so we used to take these people all all over you know depending on where they'd committed the crime but before Parramatta jail was closed Mm. uh, we got to go into that 
building that was built in the 19th century and it was like Pentridge. It was really, really dated. And boy, oh boy, didn't I meet some of the roughest, heaviest, scariest criminals that I've ever met. These were serious, serious crims. They were um, they were at the, at the big end of town. And when I was over there one morning, I got chatting to one of the riot squad guys at Parramatta Jail. Yeah. And we were chatting about how they, you know, what they do when there's unrest in the jails. Mm. And he said that they quite often use tear gas. And he said, have you ever experienced tear gas? Oh, my God. Yeah. So I went into this tiny, tiny room and I was standing in there and I heard the door close and I heard this, that's all I heard, like a little atomizer going off. Right. And just in that microsecond, he'd put a tiny bit of mace into the room and then within seconds, it attacks all your sweat glands. Right. So it affects you around the eyes, under the arms and in your pubic region. And the natural reaction is to start scratching yourself and sure. itching. Yeah. But if you look at mace under a microscope, the particular stuff they were using, what it was, it was millions and millions of microscopic uh, aluminium like razor blades oh that are dipped in mace, which is actually a natural product. And it's like pepper spray, isn't it? Yeah, but mace is actually a, it's, it's like, like a, a or capucin or, or something. It's like a yeah, so it's like a chili, I think, effectively. Something. Yeah. And anyway, so I was literally it, it just completely renders you useless. Mm. And then they open the door and they tell you to run outside and stand with your face facing the breeze, if there is a breeze. And that was pretty amazing. And then they showed us this Hang on, why? Well, it's amazing in that you need extreme self-control right? To if not there scratch, is a breeze. To not scratch. To not scratch. And what, what you're doing oh. at a microscopic level, you're actually rubbing tiny razor blades dipped in mace into your epidermis, which are viscerating your, you know, around your eyes, for example. And then that's just enabling the mace to get in and in and in and in. And it's just, it, it is so diabolical. But that was just a tiny, tiny micro... Second, so when you see footage of like an old woman protesting a thing in the stage and she gets like sp- sprayed in the face for five <clears> seconds, <throat> like she's screwed, right? Like that's, that's well, I don't know what uh, the stuff they use now is like. I know that I think mace is illegal, okay, uh, because it's pretty, pretty heavy duty. But yeah. what I was going to say was they then took us into this, um, like a little museum, yeah, and they had the most amazing collection on one wall of improvised weapons. Oh, from the prisoners. From the prisoners. Not, and not that they what, made for fun. It's, no, it's, no, these yeah. are weapons that they made, that, that you know, contraband they were caught with. And one of the most, I mean, the, they call it a shim or, a, or like a knife or they'll get a... A shiv. A shiv and they'll get a, and they'll get a fork. The classic one is to get a fork. Yeah. You bend the fork around your hand. You then bend out every inter, every second mm. um, prong. prong. So you create this amazing, like a blade wrapped around your knuckles and then you can just drive it in to the victims whatever whatever part of the body you choose um but the most intriguing thing that i saw that was um fascinating and you had to really admire and almost revere the um the incredible ingenuity what this guy had done uh he got so they were sleeping in these aluminium framed beds yes and he would somehow cut the end off the aluminium uh, tubing. Yeah. And then, but there were two different diameter tubings that made up the bed, mm-hmm. the bed head and the bed and the foot of the bed. And he made, 
you're not going to believe this. He he got a ten cent coin. I'm probably telling something pretty, pretty probably the sort of thing that you probably shouldn't talk about. But anyway, and then he got a tack, and he fused the tack into the middle of the ten cent coin. Yeah. He then had the ten cent coin at one end of this tube. He then got a an, another diameter tube, and he made a pump action shotgun. So he had one cartridge smuggled in, probably through someone's rectum, and then he'd remove it, clean it up, pop into his little shotgun. He only had one shot. So the the little at the end of the uh, the shotgun cartridge, you've got that little little circle thing in the middle, and that's yes. that's the the bit that when you hit that, it ignites right. a gas that then it ignites the uh, the gunpowder. Yes, yes. And of course, uh, when he used it. Well, it blew his blew his hands off. Blew his hands off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was uh, it was not not too good. So, what else did you see in this uh, in this room? Anything else? Yeah, we got to see uh, a machine, mm. quite a big machine, like an industrial fertilizer with a huge motor with a massive five foot long nozzle, and this is the machine they use when they go in to extricate someone from their cell, which is what they used to do, mm. and they'd fire up this machine that would literally release fog and that was mace and they would use this machine oh so God. i'd had one micro spray yeah, which, literally, is... which rendered me utterly useless sure but with with the prisoners they'd fire up this gun which was basically pumping out more exhaust than a thousand rotten trucks and they'd literally hold it at the entrance to the cell and oh. fill the cell with white I mean, you couldn't see, and that's, that's mace. That's awful. I See, I thought you were still on the topic of um, homemade weaponry, and I'm like, that's very elaborate for a prisoner to have cobbled together, hmm. you know? No. <laughs> okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you so yeah that was uh so that was interesting and then we'd uh convey the um the prisoners to uh to all their respective um courts you ever deal with a prison break at any point no but uh a couple of my mates that uh see when i was in the police force they founded the New South Wales Tactical Response Group, right. or the TRG, which is now called Civil and Public Disobedience or something. Is that like SWAT kind of? Uh, not SWAT, more like just riot squad. Okay, okay. And uh, and that was a fairly gruelling process. A few of my mates actually um, partook in the first training course. Right. And they would uh, do things like have a telegraph pole on a wet day down a slippery slope and have maybe maybe 10 or 15 guys that had to get the pole that's a telegraph pole mm. down a slope, like scary stuff. How often does that come up uh, in the line of duty? Never. What if it's a really important pole? What if it's the mayor's pole? Then you could do a, a dance around it, the May pole. Yeah, but you got to you got to get ribbons, ribbons, lots of ribbons. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Um, so the tactical response group used to actually train, mm. and and this is, I think it was fairly covert. But they used to do a lot of their exercises. I'm sure it just, I can't imagine this happens now. But back in the day, they used to train at Long Bay Jail. Whereabouts in the jail? Do you know? In the actual jail. What do you mean? Retrieving actual... Because sometimes prisoners would barricade themselves in their cells. Right. So the TRG would go in and, um, and for exercise purposes, they would remove them. What if nobody was being difficult that day? You get uh, it's a reasonable point. If no one's barricaded themselves in their jail, then I guess they'd go home. Okay, okay. It just seems like I mean, you in your career definitely saw specific departments. You know, last week we dealt with the air wing, things like that, where you were where you were thinking to yourself, "Hey, that looks interesting. That seems like a good use of my time. I'm going to run at that goal." Mm-hmm. Who the hell sees prisons and goes? I want to go to that. I don't think that the TRG actually, I don't think that was a selling point. Uh, I don't think um, that they were, you know, that was part of their sales pitch, okay. that you get to go into jails and but you surely, you, surely, you surely can't hide that information. No, but I think, um, you know, I think that would have revealed itself down the track. But I actually, fortunately or unfortunately, yeah, I got to see some restricted videos. Oh, God. Mm. When was this? I can't remember. I think one of my mates had maybe borrowed one from somewhere. Mm. But they were um, quite fascinating. And I'll never forget one of the videos. Well, because they used to film everything in case things went, went bad. You mean these operations in the prison? Yeah. Right. So you, you've... Okay. So I've seen some of the videos of them getting people out of cells. Mm. Absolutely. It's not a thing I'd like to do. Okay. Because uh, it's scary. It's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of adrenaline and uh, even in training exercises, the TRG had adjudicators because people became so insane that you lost the thread in terms of it being, well, you know, you, you, you sometimes would forget that it was actually training. Sure. 
So yeah, pretty but heavy. It's, it's not like the prisoners would have any recourse if they were no, no, no. mishandled at no, any point. No. You know? But I've seen some amazing videos where prisoners on roofs were throwing tiles down at the prison waters. Jesus. And tiles can be pretty yeah. pretty dangerous. Yeah. And the way the TRG would come in and actually bunch up like like Roman like gladiators mm. and, and, and soldiers of the day and the legionnaires and they'd 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 get close, huddle, shield above and they'd sort of creep in and in and in and get close and then mm. you know, did what they had to do. Okay. Uh all right, so you've ferried people to and from prisons. Did you ever, at any point, strike up conversations, develop any kind of rapport with these people? Uh, generally, they wanted to have sex with most of your relatives, living or dead, right. and they'd be saying that to you. Okay. Uh, so that was a bit scary. Yeah. And uh, but you always had to be very wary about whether they whether there was a, uh, a prison break being planned, because that was a really really good good way to do it there was a very famous case of a prison van stopping in traffic yeah. and there were cars uh with sort of their colleagues around and they somehow managed to get underneath a car they stopped the van and they used some device and they actually like opening a can right they used some machine and they actually cut the floor away and uh the, the police officers in the back of the van mm. uh and inside the actual inner van yeah they were cutting the floor away so that everyone could escape. You get back to the prison and open the and door. There's and no there's, one there. There's just a giant ring pull, spent ring pull in the yeah. middle of. The, you know what's happened? Yeah, that's embarrassing. God damn. So yeah. How was the prison food, by the way? It was really, really good. Was it? Yeah. Why do you think that's like everyone's got to have a creative outlet, right? Like maybe it's in the kitchen for these. Yeah, people. and I think um, I don't think I, my rationale for having prison food was that you know I don't imagine that they'd necessarily pull their pants down and sort of wave their willy into my baked beans. Mm. At least not in front of me. Sure. Uh, you know, you'd be thinking, obviously, that maybe they were doing that in some quiet part of the kitchen. Some but, sort of flavour you know, infusion, yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a privilege. And I, and I think, do they really want to blow it? But it's a weird concept, having prisoners serving police. It's strange, isn't it? It's, uh, I'm quite sure that doesn't happen these days. But one of the interesting things about going into the jail system was occasionally you'd get to be shown certain prisoners in the yard. Because if you get to look in... See, Long Bay Jail was and perhaps still is divided into various sections. Yeah. Obviously, so you've got um, police and pedophiles. They normally uh, put together. Wait, police as in police Under who committed custody crimes, and then yeah, that are not safe in the mainstream. Oh my god, how many people are there? Who well, I've had a few. Cops? I've had a few friends in the police force that went to jail. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Can you talk about it? Not really. Okay. So, um, but the thing is. You know, they went to... And, and they're not going to go into the main yard, are they? No, gen pop. Because they will absolutely be... Their life will be depressing. Okay, so basically there's a wing of the jail for people who would be in real trouble were they to mingle with everyone else. Correct. So generally pedophiles, uh, which are affectionately known within the system as rock spiders. Have you heard that term? I have, but yeah. only from you. Yeah. Rock spiders. So um, I don't know whether it's used used commonly these days. But jails are a fascinating, uh, a fascinating place. I'll tell you a little story... Uh, that you may or may not decide to cut, mm. but I'll run it by you. God, that's nerve-wracking. Okay. A very, very, very dear friend of mine... Yep. ...who is a lady, mm. and we were great friends growing up. She went on to become a psych nurse in a um, in a prison. Sure. Because the, the psychiatric units within prisons are, you can imagine, pretty... Pretty full on. Yes. So what happened was she and I used to swap stories. So I'd tell her some amazing story and then she was always... We were always trying to trump each other. Mm. 
And then she told me a story about uh, a female jail in Sydney called Mullawa. When you say you might have to cut this, I'm now getting nervous, but please... That's okay, you... get nervous. Okay. And um, the great thing about these podcasts, Paul, is that everything I say is spot on. So there's no... I mean, it doesn't make it any less stressful, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Malawa. So it's a female prison. Yep. And your mum, when she worked in internal affairs, oh. occasionally would go out to Malawa. Yeah, I keep forgetting she was in IA. Yes. Yeah. And she'd go out there to investigate complaints made by female prisoners about members of the New South Wales Police Force. Oh, boy. So it was pretty heavy. And some of her stories about what the women would do in front of her, because she's an attractive woman. I'll leave that up to your imagination. So I'm telling my lovely friends some stories about various things I'd heard and seen that had happened in other jails and she's telling me this amazing story and it goes like this mm. one night she was on duty and she went into one of the cells mm. at Malawa and there were two women in bed together yep and one of them was the ma- uh, was the uh, the head of the prison what do we call her a, w- a warden the warden yeah yeah and she was in bed with another female prisoner of course and they both had uh, syringes in their arms oh jesus christ oh yeah How's that for a doozy? What was in the syringes? Probably heroin. The warden? Yeah. God damn. So there's a there's one for the books. Do you, okay. Well, and that's first hand yeah, eyewitness sure. account. Sure. So, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what did, what did she do afterwards? How do you uh, like back away from it? Close the door and never oh. never to be discussed. That's super stressful. That's though. heavy, isn't it? That's a super stressful story. Hmm. So, and okay. one other story I'll tell you about. Yeah, please do. And this is uh, prison related. Yep, Long Bay Jail. I'm sensing a theme for this episode. Yep. Yep. Go no, on. This is a pretty heavy story. Mm. Actually, golly, there are two. Oh, I wonder if that came across that noise in my tummy. Um, That's like a 19 second. Did you, are you passing wind on the show? Never. <clears throat> so, uh, this is another Long Bay story where there was... Um, a young guy at the bay, and so these young guys, generally young guys that were, they were kind of used by the various groups. Right. So if you were a young, handsome, mm. good-looking guy and you needed protection um, through a process of um, certain situations, you would align yourself to a certain group. Now, the guys at the bay and all jails, a lot of these guys, are, you know, heavy crims, they're not... They don't regard themselves as gay, mm. but they will have sex with anything that moves. But then when they go back into mainstream society, mm. they resume whatever sexual life they had prior to. Oh, yeah. So this particular young guy, he was um, he would have been late teens, early 20s. He was in Long Bay. He was being looked after by a particular group, but he strayed. And they told him that uh, if, if you stray again, uh, you know, we're going to... We'll do something to you. And when you say strayed, what do you mean? Started having sexual relations with another group of people right. within the jail. Okay. And uh, they warned him a few times. And I'll never forget, I was in, quite young in the police force, quite, was quite in sort of my early days. And I'll never forget what happened was they found this young guy and he was in the gymnasium and they'd got this massive uh, weight from a... From a you know a barbell? Yes. And they'd crushed his head with it. They killed him. Because he um he'd strayed. What the hell's wrong with you? Sorry, listeners, if you can't hear it, it's like it's just 
It's like a it's like a killer whale has been stranded in the distance. It's it's terrible noise. And it really did undermine the death, the tragic death of a young man. Um okay, well look, are there any other prison stories that you want to get off your chest before we like bury this topic for a little <clears throat> yeah, while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a uh, there's a juvenile establishment called Mount Penang mm. um, up at Gosford. I I think it's still going. And I had to go in there to do some work as a police officer and there was this yard with some guys and they all wear the, the sort of that, that green outfit and these are young, these are like teens yeah. and I was chatting away with, uh, and curiosity got the better of me and, and the, the guy that was showing me around, he sensed that, you know, I was pretty, I was sort of wide-eyed as to, it was pretty weird seeing such young people, yeah. boys in, yeah, yeah. in this place and this guy, uh, this uh, warden at the, at at this particular boy's place, he, he said, oh, I see that guy over there. And I went, yeah. He said, oh, and he was this young kid. He said, well, he uh, he's, he's a particularly nasty person. And the weird thing about a lot of the stories that you hear about jails when you're within that world yeah. is that a lot of these stories are incredible, but the public never heard about them. Right. This particular story, this guy got this guy to dig his own grave. He then buried him, but he had his head sticking out of the soil and then he ran over him with a motor mower. How's that? Holy shit. Yeah, and the motor was going. I hope he had the grass catcher on. How does this... How do they let this happen, is what I'm saying. Like, how does this... Like, surely... I would like to look. I'm. I know I'm, I'm probably sounding a bit naive, but I would like to think that if I, let's say, I had a relative who was sent to prison, regardless of what offence, I'd like to think that they were relatively safe there. I know they're not, but you know, like, how dangerous is prison? Well, God, that's a good question. Well, I think everyone knows the answer to that. Very. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I'd like to. It might like vary from prison to prison, but who knows? Um, okay. Well, look. I'm I'm feeling suitably stressed out now because of these stories. So what I'd like to do is pivot to a question from a listener for yep. uh, our segment called Mailbag, yep, which yep. is just here we go. Uh maybe we'll save that one. Maybe we'll save. Oh, this one's great. Okay, Craig Murray asks. Firstly, love the podcast, guys. For someone with a good career in their early thirties who's always wanted to join the police, with your knowledge of the job, do I chase the dream or stay away? I would say go for it. In his early 30s, really? 100%. I worked with police that joined in their 40s. What? And there was a very famous Sydney newsreader, really lovely lady. She's She may still be going with Channel 10, but she was like big time, yeah. one of the best. And her dad joined the police force, and I reckon he would have been in his 50s. Really? Yeah, because we don't discriminate. And I think it's a really, really wonderful... And 30s is nothing. God. By that rationale, I could join. Yeah, all right, don't look so skeptical. <laughs> All right, so let's say, okay, so he's in his early 30s and he wants to become a cop. Look, uh, what advice would you give? Well, I think with your age, depending on what you've done, you've obviously been around and seen some shit and, you know, it's it's rewarding. If you want to get out there and just absolutely get in amongst it, um, I, I say go for it. Okay. And I say you can bring your, your, your years of real life experience, I think, it's really important to have people from all ages and walks of life in the police force. And I think it's a wonderful career mm. and it can be a career for life. 
Do you think it's a risk? Because he does. He did say he's got a good career already. I mean, what? First of all, what kind of prep is there for someone who wants to get into that? Uh, look, you've just got to go to the academy, right? And I think um, you know it, it could really turn you on, and and you could go, you know, why why didn't I do this years ago? Mm. But I think someone with that maturity, uh, look, it, there's no doubt about it. It is actually really, it's what you make of it, but it can be super exciting. And um, yeah. All right. Well, you know, hopefully by the time book two comes out, we'll have an Officer Murray listening to the show. Love it. Uh, thanks for that, Craig. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Loose Units, the podcast. Um Obviously, uh, we're really grateful that you're listening. So make sure you keep sending in questions. Head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. Um, leave reviews and ratings on the iTunes page if you can. And uh, grab the book if you haven't already. We will see you next week for more true crime on Loose Units, the podcast. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.